0: Indonesia is now on a similar trajectory as Italy and Iran. Uh, The number of COVID-19 cases are starting to escalate even more rapidly. Many Indonesians are still hopeful the epidemic will be over or at least past the worst by the end of April. But experts fear that it will last for months and it's forced some major changes to the ABC's Jakarta Bureau. Here's our Indonesia correspondent, Anne Barker. It must be the most agonising decision I've ever made. Ten days ago it never crossed my mind or anyone's in the Jakarta Bureau that we wouldn't continue on as ever reporting on events in Indonesia even after the first two cases of coronavirus were confirmed in the country. But a week is a long time in a pandemic. Within the space of a few days everything suddenly changed. Two cases became four Four cases became 19, soon it was 30, 96, 227. Questions popped into my head and those of our cameramen and producers. What if Indonesia suddenly becomes another Italy or Iran with deaths in the thousands or tens of thousands? What would we do if Jakarta was locked down, if the borders were closed and flights were cut, if the health system was overwhelmed? It was a burning question as it became clear the vast majority of coronavirus cases were in Jakarta, and the spread of the virus was undoubtedly far worse than official figures suggested. The city that has been our home for a year and a half suddenly took on a confronting perspective. Bosses in Sydney realised the ABC faced an unprecedented crisis, where not only the Jakarta Bureau but all foreign bureaus might have to be evacuated. I still wanted to stay. I planned to stay. It was simply a question of how and convincing the bosses. I couldn't contemplate leaving at a time when this might be the biggest story in Indonesia since the Aceh tsunami or the fall of Suharto 22 years ago. I had a duty to be here. The ABC had a duty to tell the story to the Australian people. But a few more days and correspondents all over the world were facing the same question. Management wanted to bring staff and their families home. In a phone hook-up with Sydney, I argued it was surely enough for me and my partner to buy six months' worth of food and just hole up at home. I gave a commitment I'd never leave the apartment for as long as it took, three months, six months. Nobody would come inside. I'd report entirely from home. I assured them I was in good health. I had no underlying conditions and rarely get sick. The chances of me getting the virus were surely minimal. But the reality sank in last weekend. My anxiety levels soared at the uncertainty. What if six months' food wasn't enough? What does six months' food even look like? What if we did have to go out to buy more and caught the virus? Could I be so sure one of us wouldn't need hospital care? What if panic buying emptied the shops and the tens of millions of Indonesians who live hand to mouth couldn't get enough food? Would Jakarta erupt into looting or riots, a complete breakdown of civil order? That presented a whole new and dangerous scenario. And what if, despite our best efforts, we still got sick at home if one of us broke a leg or had an accident? There would be no access to medical care Our health insurance would mean nothing. There'd be no chance of evacuation to Singapore or Australia. Indonesia's hospital system isn't like Australia's. There are only 12 beds on average for every 10,000 people. Australia has more than three times as many. And Indonesia has only four doctors and three intensive care beds for every 100,000 people. A fraction of that seen in Italy or South Korea, which have struggled so valiantly to contain their own epidemics. In the past fortnight, around eight Indonesian doctors have died, along with nurses. So the chances of Indonesia coping with this pandemic are slim. I sat with my partner on our balcony, amid the ferns and palms we'd planted more than a year ago, with barely a word we knew we had no choice, we would have to go. Realistically, it might be six months or a year before we come back, It breaks my heart to think of what could happen in Indonesia before we return. Most of all, it hurts me to leave my devoted colleagues, who, like me, have been working from home to keep the Bureau operating, and many Indonesian friends, some of whom face the loss of their livelihoods. Other Australian colleagues all faced the same tortuous decision. Until the very end, we still hoped we might be able to stay one more week But airlines were pulling out fast and borders were shutting. Some Australian tourists were already stranded in Bali after their flights home were cancelled, leaving them with no idea how long they'd be stuck in Indonesia. When I rang Yanti, our office manager, we both burst into tears. In her 41 years working for the ABC in Jakarta, she's never seen the bureau empty like this. Understandably, she fears we might never come back. My other colleagues, too, felt abandoned. I felt like a deserter. I reassured them all that I'm still the Indonesia correspondent. I'll be doing the same job from Australia, temporarily, and they'll still be my producers. Now back in Australia, I already miss our morning office routine, the first cup of Javanese coffee, Phil fussing over his camera gear and the producers all gossiping among themselves in Bahasa. Sampai Kami Kambali, Taman Taman, until we return, my friends. Yes, working from home means a very different thing when you're one of our international correspondents, and that was our Indonesia correspondent Anne Barker.